The Chicago Bears offense is a mess right now. It's easy to see when Justin Fields makes the mistakes, but when you go back through the Bears' loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can really see where the blame belongs with Luke Getze when it comes to play calling and play design. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 to get $200 back in bonus bets free, guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. On the show today. We get started on Luke Getze and this Chicago Bears offense, the sloppiness we've seen thus far through the first two games. We'll get into some of the specifics. Some of it is play calling, game flow, game situation, you know, when you're deciding to call what plays. Some of it is the design of some plays themselves, putting bad players in bad positions and not making things very easy for Justin Fields. We'll use that to kind of shape the conversation around Justin Fields, where I think There are two separate discussions to be had here. There's the is Justin Fields the guy for the long-term conversation and the can you win with Justin Fields right now conversation and where those things start to diverge. But we also have to check in on the rest of the offense, the supporting cast, the state of the offensive line, the good and bad we're seeing from the wide receivers and also making some love for the running backs in there as well. But I want to start with the offensive coordinating generally because Certainly, it's not as though everything is wrong and nothing is good that comes from Luke Getze here. There are times when you see the Bears run some nice, innovative plays where receivers are getting open downfield and the route concept set things up so that there is an easier read or an easy open receiver for Justin Fields to try and find. And there were times in both the Tampa and Green Bay games where that receiver was open and Fields wasn't able to find them, either looks at him and passes it off or doesn't get over to them quickly enough before the pressure gets there. But regardless, there are some plays that work. And Luke Getze does deserve some credit for sometimes some plays that work. Some It seems like every once in a while or a varying rate of frequency, it's like, oh, that's a good play call. That's putting guys in a position to succeed. I think of the, the rushing touchdown Justin Fields scored against the Buccaneers. You might remember play action rolling out to his right. That's the kind of thing we want to see more of, and he ends up just keeping it himself. But also on that play, he has DJ Moore working across from the backside of the formation. So Fields really could have thrown that for a touchdown to Moore, who was pretty open, or keep it for himself, kind of a run-pass option of sorts on a rollout there. And it was was good play design, and it had multiple options, and Fields was able to take advantage. Like, there are moments of that. But, like, big picture, we're not seeing enough of that from the offensive coordinator. The big, I think, most uh, 
damning evidence, the most you know detrimental example of this came late against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's kind of been the video clip that's been going around social media of the plays and sort of the Buccaneers quote that follows it or accompanies it when Justin Fields threw the pick six on the running back screen to Khalil Herbert, right? The pass rusher seemed to kind of read the screen and drop back and, and get a hand up to make the catch. After the game in the locker room, Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker Levante David said, quote, they called a screen. It was the same formation. Everybody knew what was coming. And when you go back and watch that play and then watch the two plays before it, same screen, same formation, three plays in a row. One was disrupted by a penalty. I think one, and there was another situation where the, like the first two weren't run properly. I don't remember exactly the the disruption on the first two plays. He didn't throw the screen pass all three times, I think. But but on the third one, same formation, same screen pass, three plays in a row. The defense picks up on it after a while and then admits afterward that like, hey, yeah, we knew that play call was coming. And that's part of why you get a pick six there and why you don't kill Justin Fields as much for that mistake. While there were certainly plenty of other mistakes in that game that you can and should be critical of Justin Fields about. We really went in on Fields in particular on yesterday's podcast separate from the conversation the conversation today being a little bit more about Luke Getze, but we'll get into fields here in a little bit as well. But like other things that we're not seeing from Luke Getze, designed quarterback runs. I think we've seen three or four of them so far this season through two games. That's not enough. Like we want to see more of Justin Fields like intentionally designed into the running game here. Most of the running that we see from him is from scrambles on passing plays. It also feels like he's being coached to stay in the pocket and not scramble as much. He's hanging in there longer, which is like some of what we wanted to see, but then it's too long and it's kind of an overcorrection and it feels like he's not as free to just run around outside of the pocket. The Bears as a whole aren't running the ball enough. We talked about that yesterday, only like 11 handoffs to running backs in this game who were running well and the offensive line was run blocking decently and we knew that was the strength of this offense and not really leaning on that the way they should. Not seeing nearly enough rollouts for Justin Fields and the types of plays that make things easy for him. They're asking him to do a lot, asking him to think a lot, asking him to read a lot. And clearly through the first two games, he's not showing an ability to do that consistently. We wanted him to grow in that area. It hasn't happened yet. So the offense needs to change. Stop forcing it to be this way and fit it to the players that you have. Because that's the other thing too. You got weird plays, play designs sometimes where the spacing is off, the landmarks are off, receivers aren't running where they're supposed to run or aren't running routes crisply or sprinting through the route and, and running as hard as they need to, you know, coaching things there. You've got certain plays where guys just aren't being used, like receivers aren't being used to their best skill set advantage. You know, there was a wheel route by Cole Komet that takes forever because Cole Komet's not a four, you know, not a fast tight end. So the play takes forever for that design to happen and Fields is staring at it and it's not open and he ends up getting sacked. You know, it's using guys like Chase Claypool to try and be like a, a precise over the middle route running where it's got to be perfect timing. And he, he's not a precise route runner. That's just, we just know that. And yet you're still putting these players in these spots where you're not utilizing their skill sets properly. and You're not scheming enough to fit what these guys do well and don't do well. And, you know, you, like you can just put a different receiver in that spot and have a much better play. You know, Darnell Mooney can make that play. DJ Moore can make that play. Or, you know, there's a variety of different ways you can do this. You use Claypool vertically. Use these guys for what they do well and quit trying to force them to do other things and grow into these other opportunities when nothing is going right. That's the real problem for this Bears team and this Bears offense being coordinated by Luke Getze. 
We're going to go through the All-22 film in a video breakdown of the play calling from Luke Getze for the Locked On Bears Insiders group on subtext. If you want exclusive access to that video, that's only available for our Locked On, Inside, Locked On Bears Insiders and subscribers. Make sure you go check it out at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Bears. we got all 22 breakdowns. We've got the full game of all 22 film. If you want to watch every play yourself and break it down for yourself, we've got advanced data and charting on fields and the offense and the defense and so much more. Direct line to text me and do Q&As and text throughout the game and ask questions for the podcast and so much more, all for $4.99 a month. It's joinsubtext.com slash Bears for that extra in-depth analysis, always including a link in that to the description here of the podcast or on YouTube, wherever you're watching Locked on Bears. I do think, though, this conversation about Getze shapes then the discussion about Justin Fields and his short and long-term future on this team that I think kind of have slightly different answers and slightly different trajectories that we'll get into next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical, makers of the Jace case. Now, the Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It's great to have them on hand just in case of an emergency. I mean, certainly we've seen supply chain issues if you, when you do need antibiotics, but even if you start to, you know, come down with something and, you know, then you don't have to go into the doctor's office and go through the whole process and then go fill the prescription while you're already feeling like crap or you need to get these medications as soon as possible. Jace case gives you the peace of mind. It all comes in a nice handy little case with, you know, the pills and the instructions on when to take them, how to take them. You meet with a board certified doctor to make sure they're not just giving these out to anybody and you can get ongoing care from the Jace case physicians on any treatment related questions and recommendations. Don't be caught unprepared. You got to check out the Jace case for yourself. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical. Plus, you'll get an additional $20 off by using our promo code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On. The Locked On Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. It's a great time to get in on FanDuel if you haven't ever yet before, because right now, new customers are going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place any $5 bet. Literally, you can you bet $5 on anything. You know, the Bears spread this week against the Kansas City Chiefs is Chiefs by a million, and it's not the actual spread, but you get what I mean. The over-under, the, the, the point total, prop bets for player of the year, coach of the year, first coach to be fired, et cetera, et cetera. One $5 bet, and FanDuel will give you $200 extra in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about getting onto FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We know Justin Fields has been struggling to start this season. We have been plenty critical of the mistakes that he's made separately from things not going well around him. And that's what kind of compounds this issue is, yes, Fields is struggling. Fields is not developing. Field is making too many mistakes. Field is not playing comfortably and confidently in this offense right now. The offense is also not making it super easy on field. Certainly maybe easier than, or certainly like a bit more talent than last year, but it's not like, okay, everything is perfectly in place and they just need fields to do his job and he can't do it. No, we've, we know we've seen it with our own eyes, the offensive line, right? The receivers at times, 
and certainly the, the play design and, and all sorts of things in addition to Fields making his mistakes. And so, like, we start to have the conversation yesterday about, okay, when do you start to say he's not going to figure it out? You know, when do you start to say this is who he is as a quarterback and that he needs to be better? And if he's not developing at, if he's not more developed by this point in year three, is he ever going to figure it out? But I think the conversation can be a few different things at the same time. There's the discussion of like, yes, is Justin Fields the the future of the franchise for the Chicago Bears? Is he the long-term answer at QB? Is he the guy that you're going to give a contract extension to someday and ride it out with him you know, for the next five plus years? That one is feeling more and more doubtful over time. But that doesn't mean you can't still win football games with Justin Fields right now. It doesn't mean Justin Fields is a terrible quarterback who will never amount to anything and is destined to be out of the league by the end of the season, right? There's, I think there are two separate discussions there about expectations and threshold for success and, and what you need to do to be successful. Because I think you can win with what you're getting from Justin Fields right now, just not in the ways the offense is operating and asking him to do so. And it brings me back to last season when, you know, you, despite the Bears starting out, what, two and one last season, it wasn't as though the offense was lighting the world on fire over the first five, six weeks of the season, right? Obviously, the game against San Francisco was kind of a, a messy, rainy game. Then they lose to Green Bay. They beat up on the Texans a little bit with a, a really bad Texans defense for one of the worst teams in football. Then the offense can't do much of anything against the Giants and can't really keep up with the Vikings there till the end. And then the commander's game was absolutely miserable. And then, okay, after what was it? That's that's five weeks of the Bears offense. Yes, yes, doing enough to win a couple of games, but really not clicking and not looking super comfortable altogether. The Bears changed the offense almost entirely. I mean, not almost entirely, but you know what I mean, right? We saw a fundamental change in what this Bears offense looked like leaning not only on the running game as a whole, but particularly the quarterback running game, simplifying things for fields quite a bit, rolling him out a bit more, making the reads less complex, and just doing whatever it takes, whatever it took to try and make it work with what they had, because we know they didn't have much, right? You're not going to you're not gonna count on Dante Pettis and Nikhil Harry and Equinemy St. Brown to be playmakers that carry your offense, right? You had to sort of scheme them all to success. And to Luke Getze's credit, we saw offensively this team find success. You know, they weren't winning a lot of football games with it, but they go on that stretch, 33 points against the Patriots, 29 against the Dolph against the Cowboys, 32 against the Dolphins, 30 against the Lions, 24 against the Falcons. It was a five-game stretch where they scored a minimum of 24 points a game and a four-game a four stretch where they were really right around 30 points a game. They were a high-scoring offense for a stretch there when Fields was healthy, when offensive linemen were healthy, when receivers were healthy, like when they had things really clicking there, even with a really bad supporting cast, the offense was working, not entirely due to scheme, but because uh, Fields was doing a lot of crazy things and doing incredible playmaking, but some of that was sort of propped up by the scheme, right? Like he was able to make those plays because they put the ball in his hand. Like Luke Getty doesn't get credit for Justin Fields taking a, a run for 60 yards, but... Luke Getze gets credit for calling the quarterback runs that get Justin Fields to the point of being able to break it off for 60 yards there, right? Like there is a certain aspect of that that like 
offense being in sync and putting your playmakers in the best position to make plays. And Justin Fields is not being put in the best position to make plays. Those were some of the things we were just talking about in the last segment about QB rollouts, QB runs, uh, right receivers in right play and right places in routes, I mean, in, in in play design and and splits and and spacing on the field. Like those, the sort of like little things have been sloppy to make things more difficult for Fields, who has then also been making mistakes on top of it. it it's blame to go around between the two of them, but we have seen Fields be successful with a lesser supporting cast around him. And we can debate how much better the supporting cast is, but there's no doubt that it is better and that the offense has been better with worse. And so to me, you start to point to the offensive coordinator. And I think back to last season, again, they started last season trying to do offense a certain way. It wasn't working. They changed it. It feels like we're back to trying to do offense that certain way. We're back to Getsy trying to make these, you know, square pegs into round holes and it's like, do we not learn our lesson from last season? And when are we going to learn it again this season, right? When can we start to, okay, this isn't working, switch the offense again. Is it going to take another, you know, it was a mini bye week after a Thursday night game against the Washington Commanders that set that up last year where they had some time to adjust and change the offense. You know, if, if that's the case, we're looking at week five again against the Washington Commanders as a time when the Bears might be able to make some of those adjustments. But why do we have to sit here for three more games and watch them try and do whatever this version of the offense is that's not working when we've seen them figure it out before and now we're doing the same thing again and it feels a little bit deja vu and like, let's figure it out quicker this time. Let's get things going because you can still win with Justin Fields. Maybe the style of offense that you have to play with to win with Justin Fields makes you feel like he's not the guy for your long-term future of your franchise. Separate conversation. But right now you can do more with this offense to start winning more games with Justin Fields despite the mistakes that Justin Fields is making. And, and that to me is the big takeaway right now as we try and put the pieces together after an 0-2 start that will likely be an 0-3 start after the Kansas City Chiefs. Some of that comes on the rest of the supporting cast. And I feel like all the talk about Fields and Getze starts to overshadow or absolve blame from O-line and tight end struggles plus occasional receiver struggles in the names of like Chase Claypool, et cetera. And of course, Donald Mooney was hurt and the, but also the running backs are part of this conversation too. So let's take some stock of where the upgrades at the supporting cast are sitting right now and how much better we feel like they are compared to last year in terms of what we're actually seeing on the field and not just on paper next on locked on bears. The locked on bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at prize picks, the better way to do Daily fantasy sports. It's easy, it's exciting, and it puts you in complete control because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of going up against thousands of other people's lineups online to make sure like who's going to be the one in 10,000 that had happened to have the best lineup there, Price Picks is just you versus the projections available. You pick whether the players will go more or less than their Price Picks projection. You pick two to six players, and you can get up to 25 times your money back from your picks. It's so much fun. It gives you some stakes, gives you a reason to tune into other games and to care about other games, even if the Bears may be involved in a, a certain type of blowout this upcoming week. Price picks can A, be a lot more fun on your Sundays, but also B, make you some real serious money. You got to check it out. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's an extra $100 to match your first deposit with the promo code locked on NFL at pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL price picks daily fantasy sports made easy. 
the Chicago Bears haven't exactly made it easy for Justin Fields, but we kind of thought this offseason that the additions at wide receiver and at tight end and at running back and at the offensive line would make the job easier for Justin Fields. And I don't think we can we can just talk all about Getsy and Fields without talking about the other 10 guys on the field on offense. I had to pause and think about it for a half second there. The, the numbers on that. Certainly DJ Moore has been, I, I think, deserves zero blame at, at this point. I mean, as close to zero blame as you can get for anybody in this offense. Went over hard yards against the Buccaneers. Wasn't involved enough against the Packers, but that wasn't his fault. You watch the All-22. DJ Moore is open a lot. You can see a, a handful of plays where DJ Moore is running and looking back at fields and clapping his hands like, hey, I'm open, throw me the ball, give me the ball here, which is not usually a, a, a good sign of him feeling you know involved in the offense. Although Chase Claypool had a couple of plays similarly like that. So like DJ Moore has been everything I think that we, or DJ Moore doesn't deserve any of the blame. How about that? I do think, do, do is DJ Moore, you know, the, the, at the level of, Stefan Diggs going to the Bills for Josh Allen and AJ Brown going to the Eagles for Jalen Hurts. You know, is he a, is he a step below those kind of dynamic elite playmakers? Like he's very 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 good. And again, I mean, there's no blame here, but maybe we maybe we overhyped him a, a little bit, but again, maybe that maybe that's maybe that's missing the forest for the trees a little bit here because the blame goes a lot elsewhere. Darnell Mooney getting hurt against the Buccaneers really limited the Bears because then you were playing Trent Taylor, the kick returner who got here two weeks ago, or the rookie Tyler Scott a little bit. Like, I, I do think we're, we didn't properly account for the lack of depth from the Bears. That, yeah, with, with, with Mooney temporarily injured in that game, they were starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel again at wide receiver. Chase Claypool gets open sometimes, but I think is what he is at this point. You know, it's kind of, you can't rely on him to be like a, a precise timing guy or a crisp route runner, but he had a nice double move, got it open down the sideline. wasn't really targeted on that. Of course, nice catch in the end zone on the touchdown. Like there's, there's value to chase Claypool, but he's not like a, a top, what top 50 wide receiver, not a top 64 wide receiver in the NFL. At this point, is he a top 100 wide receiver in the NFL? At this point, we could start to have that conversation, but he's not a, a big time difference maker. He's a guy with some potential and some upside and some flashes, but just doesn't do it consistently enough. So like at receiver, you've got one really good DJ Moore. You got a, a pretty good Darnell Mooney when he's healthy, but you know, you start to miss him in the game and receivers become a question here. Guys are getting open on tape. It's not like guys are wide open all the time, but they're generally open enough. So I don't blame the receivers too much there. Offensive line, still very much a work in progress. You know, going back through the all 22, I probably gave them a little bit too much credit on yesterday's podcast, they weren't abysmal. You know, they weren't the worst offensive line in football by any means, but they deserve some blame here. Like Fields was holding on to the ball too long, but there were also some some rough plays. Cody Whitehair, put him on the side of the milk carton. I don't know what happened to Cody Whitehair. He was a lot better last season. Maybe the moving between left guard and center too much and back and forth and all this was harmful for him as it has been every time they've ever done this in his career. And yet every new offensive line coach doesn't learn that, hey, just leave Cody Whitehair at a spot. And he tends to be good when you leave him there. But when you try and move him around back and forth, he struggles. That I mean, that's the only kind of connection I can find at this point because he's he's been, like, surprisingly bad. Like, at this rate, this will be his last season with the Chicago Bears if he does not improve because he is not playing up to the level of his contract, and he's old anyway. You know, Braxton Jones, Darnell Wright, young players up and down, 
kind of as expected. Uh, Jatiri Carter comes in for Nate Davis, kind of as expected, struggles a little bit. Of course, he's a former, what, like, sixth, seventh round pick. Not a guy that you had, like, super high expectations for. You were hopeful he could be better than he was, but he was all right. He was below average, kind of what we expected. Lucas Patrick, below average, kind of what we expected there. So it's, I mean, you got to give the offensive line, like, from a Ryan Poles perspective in terms of the team-building aspect of things, like, I can give him a slight break on the O-line in the sense that in this game, he did not have the free agent right guard that he spent big money to sign. He did not have his plan A at center or left guard, you know, which he can't fully account for. Maybe you can, you can, you can be critical of the depth not being good enough, perhaps, you know, like relying on Lucas Patrick when he's not good enough, relying on Jatiri Carter when he's not good enough, trading for Dan Feeney, who comes in and snaps the ball wide on the first snap. Like, yeah, those are, those are the bigger problem there. But like, it's not Poles' fault that Tevin Jenkins got hurt or that Nate Davis had... Was it a death in the family or some kind of personal related thing? Like, okay, offensive line's a problem. Not purely a Ryan Poles issue, but definitely uh, definitely something that could be better and the GM could do more on. Continue to be disappointed by Cole Komet and Robert Tanyan. Mercedes Lewis has been good. He was the one who led the team on that sideline huddle that they showed on the broadcast. That was Mercedes Lewis. He's a great leader for them. If I was Mercedes Lewis, I would request my release from this team and try and go somewhere else where I could win this season. I think someone would sign him if you request his release, but... I'm not Marcellus Lewis. We'll see if he does finish the season on this roster or not, depending on how bad it gets. But like Cole Komet, still not a good route runner, very up and down as a blocker, not making a ton of plays after the catch. For a guy who just got a big contract, disappointed. Robert Tanyan has added absolutely nothing of value at this point. Very disappointed in Robert Tanyan. The main part of the supporting cast that's been ex- at expectations or exceeding expectations is the running back room. Roshan Johnson, I mean, we we... We hyped up Roshan Johnson, but as a fourth round pick, he's exceeding expectations. Like we knew he could do this, but like baseline expectations for a fourth round running back, absolutely exceeding expectations. Herbert has been same guy to me, which is a good thing. He's solid, reliable. Foreman as a healthy scratch was a head was a interesting one. Not a head scratcher per se, but one that we don't have a clear answer as to why. But the running backs are doing fine. Tight ends not helping. Offensive line struggling, but a lot of that's like injury and availability issues plus youth at the tackle spots that we kind of expected to be some inconsistency with those young guys. But the idea is that you put up with that and you wait, you know, you kind of live with it so that long-term those guys will get better. They need the experience. They need to make the mistakes to learn and grow. And then receivers, it's DJ Moore. And then when when Darnell Moody's healthy, you're good. But it's not a lot of depth at wide receivers. So like, it's not, it's not a great supporting cast. Like I think we came into the season feeling like, Offensive line set. Tight end is going to be great. Wide receiver is deep and strong. Running back room is solid. This offense is great and perfect around Justin Fields. And two weeks in, the warts have been revealed. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's DJ Moore. Yeah, there's some decent running backs. Everything else is still not ideal. Far from ideal. And again, Justin Fields should be better with what they do have. It is a better supporting cast, but it's not a solved perfect ideal supporting cast either. And that also plays into this equation in addition to play calling, play design, offensive coordinating, and the mistakes Justin Fields makes on his own, separate from the play call, separate from what his teammates are doing on the field. That's why this is such a difficult mess to try and clean up, why it feels so messy and and catastrophic offensively. It's not just, oh man, the offensive line is the only problem, or oh man, the quarterback is the only problem, or oh man, drop passes or the receivers are the only problem. There's a lot of problems here. And a lot that needs to be fixed. That falls on the coaching staff. These are the guys that you got. 
You're not going to overhaul this offense midseason. You know, I mean, in terms of personnel, right? You're not going to bring in a bunch of brand new players midseason. These are the guys you got. If you're a good coaching staff, if you got good positional coaches, a good offensive coordinator, you find a way to make it work. And that's what we're going to be keeping an eye on here moving forward on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And we really appreciate everyone who is an everydayer that tunes in five days a week, making us your first listen. We love our Lockdown Bears insiders as well. They're getting in-depth, exclusive access to breakdowns. Join subtext.com slash Lockdown Bears if you'd like to be a part of that group as well. But either way, you got to make sure you come back for tomorrow's podcast to get your next opportunity to bear down.